Thank you for the greetings. Happy Father's Day to you guys. Happy Father's Day. Hi, Augie. My grandson's watching me on video. She told me right now. Hi, buddy. I miss you. Hi, Homer Glenn, New Lenox, Orland Park Online, uh, wherever you are, outside on the patio, uh, wherever you are. Happy Father's Day. We're glad to have you with us. Um, let me start this way, and then we'll do Father's Day, okay? Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I don't know why that's like the only speech that stuck with me in history along the way. That's the Gettysburg Address, if you don't know. Um, It's the only one I remember. But if you think about great speeches, um, I mean, what are some others in in that category, right? You've got Martin Luther King's speech, I Have a Dream. Uh, I mean, we know about that one, right? You have Clark Griswold and Family Vacation, you know. Dog sniffing, well, I, I won't go on, right? But ironically, what it seems that uh, famous speeches have to do, a lot of them have to do with injustice and freedom, okay? So today is Sunday, June 19th, which means it's Father's Day and it's also a new nationally recognized federal holiday known as Freedom Day or Juneteenth. And you may not even know about this. Um, yes, um, thank you. I mean, I, I want to talk about it, okay? Because holidays are interesting. I mean, it really, I like trees, but Arbor Day, I, you know, does it need to pop up on my calendar? I don't know. Um, and, 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 you know, no one knows to do, what to do about a lot of holidays, but please, before you put Juneteenth in a category of holidays you don't care about, I need you to understand what it's about, and I think as Christians, we need to care about it because it's a very important day in American history. I've done a lot of study and research in the last couple of years on issues of race, trying to be a better human and trying to be a better pastor for you all, and this is important. June 19th was the day that Union soldiers landed in Galveston, Texas with the news that the war had ended and that the slaves were actually free. This was two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation, but it took that long to get all the way, back, all the way down to the bottom of our country and make sure every person knew that they were free. But to be honest, you can change a law, but that doesn't always change culture, right? The people who had been captured and conscripted conscripted into forcible slavery uh, had a long journey to actual freedom, as we know, as proven by Dr. Martin Luther King's speech almost 100 years later that he had a dream that we could all be together. And as Christians, we should be the first people to stand with those who are oppressed. Jesus taught us, if you want to be the greatest, you should be a servant. So Juneteenth is a good time for Christians to serve and to lead the way in showing love and support to all of our brothers and sisters. And today, regardless of the color of our skin, we are created in the image of God. We are one big family, and what happens to our neighbor affects us as well. And these are God's children. We're all God's children. And so today, we remember... We remember a second Freedom Day, because the 4th of July wasn't really freedom for everybody yet. And we celebrate the freedom that our founding fathers wished every American to have, even though they didn't really understand how it should work, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. That's how it should be, and I would like for you to pray with me, and then we'll start in the Father's Day. Father, I just want to pray for... Our country, we are, uh, seems like more divided over some of these issues than we have been. 
and it still doesn't make any sense. And Lord, I, I want to thank you for freedom. I want to thank you for freedom for the slaves. I want you to thank you for freedom for our country. I want you to thank you for freedom for all of us to be together. And I pray that as believers, that everybody listening to me would understand that there are a lot of perspectives they don't have. Because I'm learning that. And that today is a day we celebrate fathers and we celebrate freedom. And those two things ought to go together in a really beautiful way. So be with us as we do it. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, How about Father's Day? Here you go. You know, I mean, we're not a boys club or a social club. We're just a group of husbands collectively waiting for our wives um, in the Target parking lot. I used to get so bored. Hours and hours of waiting in the car. I thought it'd be a good idea one time to go in with the wife. Thought I could maybe scout out some camping gear or something like that. Just ended up holding their purse. Eventually, I just started returning the cards just to stay busy, get a little exercise. And then the target management noticed and they offered me a job. They said I could work whenever my wife was shopping. Last week, I clocked 12 hours. Between 2015 and 2018, I actually completed my doctorate online while waiting for my wife. Then one day, everything changed. I'm sitting in the car, it's been 63 minutes, I'm furious, and then there's this knock on the window. Hey. Got some new jerky. You want you want to try some? Charlie's beef jerky. Yeah. That was honestly the start of our friendship. You know, it didn't happen all at once. Honestly, I don't remember how it started. Penn came along and then this Miles guy started parking closer to us and then eventually like the group was just formed. What do we do here? Well, uh, we toss the ball around, we play some cards, you know, a little gambling. Uh, we have supper if it gets late enough. When Miles brought his grill, <laughs> it changed everything. So we got your standard grill set up that everyone has. We got the coffee over here. We got the beans about to go there. Brats on the grill. It's lunchtime. One summer we did a series of car washes and we actually raised enough money to put a big screen in the back of Penn's van. That was a good summer. You know, honestly, I think this has saved my marriage. My wife and I used to constantly fight about how much time she was spending at Target. But now, thanks to the group, my marriage is stronger than ever. You see another guy waiting for his wife, you know, just offer him some beef jerky. Let him know you're down to hang. Your best friend may be just two cars away. I mean, we have so much in common. We all have wives, and they're all in there somewhere. Father's Day, everybody. Um, listen, I, I get that Father's Day isn't necessarily uh, a popular holiday with everybody. It's just like it's like Mother's Day. Maybe you didn't know your dad. Maybe you didn't have a good one. Maybe you did, and he's gone, and you miss him. 
Um, maybe you're a dad who, all, or maybe you're a guy who always wanted to be a dad, and, and it just didn't happen. Um, maybe you're in a divorce situation, you don't get to be with your kids like you want to. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff. It's kind of like Memorial Day or Juneteenth or any of these things. You can't really celebrate the day without bringing up some of the pain involved in the holiday itself, okay? But the interesting thing to me is that honoring our mothers and fathers is a commandment. It's one of the top 10, right? And that doesn't mean you sweep your parents' toxic behaviors under the rug and send them a box of chocolates, but in general, as a society, we should honor the role, all right? So today, I am, uh, I am Ted Lasso, if you didn't notice already. If you don't know the show, you know, forget it, that's your problem. But, but the whole idea is I want to coach you um, in how to be a good dad, all right? I, I want to coach you. I'm done. I've been through it. It wasn't all great. You know, Ted Lasso, pretty funny because when he started as a soccer coach, he didn't know anything about soccer. When I think about that in my own life, you know, it's, uh, it, when I first started preaching Father's Day here, I had, you know, one kid and one on the way, and I didn't know anything about it. And along the way, uh, my kids turned out well, but I still don't want to take credit for it. What I want to do is I want to encourage you with some things that I've learned along the way, all right? But the problem here, ladies... I know you're going to disagree, but the problem is we believe that you are more genetically disposed to motherhood than we are to fatherhood. Would you agree with me, guys? I mean, something, the ladies are just like normal, you know, they, they, get, they get pregnant and they're still really normal. They eat more saltines and their ankles swell and all that, but they're really normal until they have this baby. And then all of a sudden, it's like they discover some kind of mutation power that they had that nobody knew they had, and they become ex-moms all of a sudden, right? And all of us guys are like, wow, how do you know all this stuff? How, this is so, it's so natural for you. Where's the radioactive spider that can bite me so that I can have, you know, the superpowers? Because I don't know how to talk to it. I don't know how to hold it. I don't know how to change it. And when it cries, it feels like maybe it's something that I did. And, and I remember when this whole thing happened, we had Rachel, when our first daughter, I mean, Denise opted for the epidural. Um, that was 35 years ago, okay, so don't judge us. It was pretty common back then. I know some people say for health reasons, you shouldn't do it. Let me just say, if guys had babies, we would get the drugs. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? Okay. So we'd been through the Lamaze classes and all of that nonsense, and, and, and when it was time, Denise didn't need me, you know? I mean, she, she was just like, I'm having a baby. Woo, this is awesome. The only helpful thing I did was watch the monitor to tell her when she was having contractions. So I had a video camera in one hand, a still camera in the other hand, and the, and the doctor showed up, and we had the baby, and, and I was like, wait, what? when do we ha-ha-hee-hee? Well, why do we go through all of those dumb Lamaze classes? Wait, wait, wait. And then we got into the room, and that's when the classes came in handy. Because I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, Rachel starts whimpering over in the bassinet, you know, and she's crying, and, and I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong, hon? What's wrong? And Denise said, well, she probably just needs a new diaper. I'm like, well, where's the call button? Let's get somebody in here. What should we do, right? <laughs> she's like, no, no, no. Just change the diaper. I'm like, okay, okay. I got this. I step in, and she's talking me through it, you know? It's like, it's like diffusing a bomb, you know? Cut, cut the red wire first, right? First, peel back the little strip. I'm, I'm like, okay, I, okay, I got it. Peel back the other, other little strip, and I open it up, and I'm like, wah! How can it be brown? She hasn't eaten anything yet. I don't understand this. 
And then it was ha, ha, he, he, and the Lamas came in handy. That's how it went. You ladies just figure it out a lot faster than we do. And I need you to hear this. King Canfield, in his book, Seven Secrets of Effective Fathers, said, Fathers feel a real desire to win with their children, and they consider their kids to be an important part of their lives. But many of them are like my friend Eric. Ken, he said, as we sat on the front porch and watched our kids playing across the street, I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to this father stuff. I feel like a fish out of water. I feel like I'm doing some things right, but usually I feel like I'm just muddling through. I've got this fear that one day it's all going to come crashing down around me. I, I mean, we do really feel that way. And I know, moms, you do feel that way sometimes too. But let me coach you today, okay? Let, let me coach you with the Ted Lasso thing. Honestly, even though my uh, daughters are married and our kids turned out well and our grandkids are doing well, I don't dare take much of the credit for it. It was a great mom and me faking through it a lot. But I did have a great dad and um, really the best and a great father-in-law to learn from. And I read and I learned and I failed and I kept going and I didn't back down. And that's our theme for the day. I'm not going to back down, right? And now that I'm done with the fatherhood stage of life, let me just give you a few things, okay? Me to you. I start thinking about it. I might only have four or five Father's Day left to give you what I got. So I'm going to motivate you. I, I don't know everything, but I want to motivate you dads today on Father's Day. Here, here's where it starts. Have fun. Okay? When, when I, I mean, I want to start here because I think this is so important. I think we've just lost fun in, in, a, lot of, in, in a lot of our world. When I look back on, my, on the pictures of our kids, you know, I look back at the wedding pictures of our daughters. I had three daughters. I look back at the wedding pictures. I look back at, you know, the important stuff, the prom pictures, them getting baptized, you know, all those different things. But it seems to me like my favorite pictures are of fun. They're of vacations. They're of, like, this picture is probably my favorite. I mean, that's a long, long time ago. Me and my three girls on a trampoline with no safety net. Whoa, yeah, that's how we rolled 20 years ago, right, guys? Yeah, forget about it. Listen, I look back on stuff like that, and I don't regret one dollar or one minute we spent on vacation or having fun because you can't get those moments back. And I feel like families are so busy these days, they've forgotten how to have fun. You have to fight for those moments. They don't happen unless you make them happen. Everybody can get busy, including them. But here's what Jesus said to us. He said, <clears throat> I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I feel like a lot of people grew up thinking that God was just looking down from heaven saying, hey, who's having fun down there? Knock it off. If you don't knock it off, I'm going to send Jesus down there to stop you having fun. But God looked down and he said, you guys look like you're having a miserable time. I'm going to send you my son to bring you joy, okay? And now that I'm a, a papa, I've got six grandkids now, everything that I do is about fun. <laughs> it's so awesome, right? My oldest, Charlie, was kind of a little timid at first about adventurous things, and we would do stuff, and he would say, Papa, is this a good idea? <laughs> and now all of my grandkids know. I'm going to get a t-shirt one day that says, everything's a good idea. 
Whenever, whenever you ask any of, my, any of my grandchildren, is that a good idea? They will say, everything's a good idea. We got to have some fun. So for no reason other than to show you, sometimes the difference, and I'm not saying that moms aren't fun. Also, they should be. But sometimes you need dads to just jump in and be a little bit weird. Here's the dad cockatoo who loves Elvis and the mom cockatoo who kind of doesn't care. That's how I want it to go today, guys. Um, did you see? Did you see? At some point, she gets all the way over here, and finally, she puts her, you know, her little, like, knock it off, buddy. That's that's good stuff, moms. We want our guys to be like that. Number two, make your marriage the top priority. Someday you are going to be stuck with each other, and man, it's good. But only because we made sure it was good back in the day. When God ordained marriage, he said, for this cause a man will leave his father and mother, okay? As a kid, as parents, you got to let your kids go. As a kid, you got to, at some point, leave your father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And the word for one flesh here is only used in this realm in the Bible, okay? It is a special relationship. So that means as you come together, be united is the main relationship. Because some, so at some point, they're going to be gone and you're going to be back together again. And, and one flesh is not about you and your kids, okay? And the problem is a lot of marriages are built around their children, we want to build up their self-esteem. We want them to have what we didn't have. So we spend all our money and our time and, our, and, and, and pay attention to our kids in ways that sometimes take away from our marriage. And you can't let that happen. And Denise and I knew this all the way back in the beginning because we read about it and we learned about it. And I went back and looked at an old sermon I did on Father's Day in 1998, okay, and, and, and here's what I said, and now I wonder, what will our life be like when they are gone? Sure, I'm looking forward to many aspects of it, the freedom, having Denise be able to do more things with me in ministry. There are a lot of things I look forward to, but I know it will be awfully quiet, and I know that my, I want my marriage to be strong as they are leaving, so it will be strong after they've gone. It doesn't just automatically happen. You've got to make it start happening now. Marriage is the priority. That's the best thing for you and for them, all right? Number three, teach them responsibility and independence while they are under your roof, okay? Stop over-parenting them, okay? My kids, when they would, uh, you know, I mean, I think I cared for them in, in a good father way, but somebody had to help them be stronger, okay? And that usually fell to me. So if they came to me and hurt themselves, if they came to me and said, Dad, this bad thing happened to me, I would say, but did you die? 
Evidently, I'm not the only dad that did it because my, my oldest daughter bought me this shirt for Father's Day, okay? But did you die? Okay, be, be, because, I mean, and you know, it's both because she knew this is what I said and she knew I needed it as an illustration for Father's Day, so she got it early. You're going to have to help them to grow up at some point and not overparent them. Jesus was not rebellious, but at 12 years of age, he distanced himself from his parents and went to Jerusalem or stayed in Jerusalem while they went back home. And when they found him, he went to be with them, and he was, but he was already learning to be his own person. They need that along the way. you got to give them guidelines and responsibilities and, and let them have a little bit more rope as they get a little bit older. My parents did this really well with me. I remember limits of how far I could you know, ride my bike. I remember the things that they started letting me do as I got older along the way. I got to 16. I said, Dad, I want to drive the car. And he said, well, you can drive the car when you get a haircut. I mean, this was 1977. Think about this, okay? And I, I, I wish I had a picture, but I couldn't find one, okay? And I said, Dad, I, I read the Bible, and Jesus didn't have short hair. And my dad said, well, you should read it again, because Jesus walked everywhere he went, too. But did you die? <laughs> Honestly, for us, this is why we had our kids in public school when they were under our roof, all right? And we really encouraged them to uh, then go to a Christian college when they were on their own. And that, that it's not for everyone. It worked for us, okay? I'm not saying it was a right decision, but we wanted them to negotiate some life things while they were under our roof, and we could help them with it. And then we let them make their own choice on college, but we encouraged them to go to a Christian college because then they needed other people to be around that were going to help them in their relationship with God. And I'm not, again, my son-in-law, Tommy, grew more at Bradley University because of Campus Crusade than anybody I've ever seen in my life. What I'm saying is you got to figure it out and give them some freedom and some safeguards as they grow up. A lot of people underparent. Okay, too much independence, too fast. One counselor I read said he thought that 85% of parents are not confident enough in their role of child rearing, so they let their kids rule everything. And that's just as bad. Underparenting or overparenting, both are bad. We set rules and we didn't budge from them. And, and hey, our daughters found great husbands and we are blessed and there's no rules we could have made that, that would have made that happen. But there were some things that we did to help them along the way. And one, just for example, was that we didn't let them date in the way of being alone with a boy until they were 16. You heard me. But did you die? They went to dances in groups. They had boyfriends, but they had limits. Do we not trust them? Of course we trusted them. We did not trust your sons. <laughs> really that simple, okay? And listen, I don't know what you should do uh, anymore, okay? Because you have got to figure out this, which is probably the biggest problem in our society today. You have to figure out social media thing. You're going to have to figure it out on your own. I can't even tell you. I don't know how to do that. I'm glad my kids are parenting my grandkids. But what I do know is that you should decide. Their friends should not decide, okay? Dad, all my friends have smartphones. It's so embarrassing that I don't have one. That's all I'm saying. Parents, it doesn't matter where the line is drawn. 
the young person is going to try to cross over it. And a wise parent knows to draw the line and stand firm. Don't give them too much freedom. Don't fence them in either. There's a balance to it. Here's what the Bible says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then it goes on, just for fathers, and says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Does that mean don't be Elvis? No, I I don't think so. I I think what he's saying is, kids, you got to obey your parents because this is what God set up for you. And then he goes on and he says, dads, as you lead... Find the balance, okay? Don't frustrate them by underparenting them, and don't frustrate them by overparenting them. Be the parent. Being a parent, I read one counselor said, is like helping them to ride a bike, okay? Some of you remember this, what it was like to teach them to ride a bike. You got to know when to hold on, and you got to know when to let go, right? If you don't hold on, they're going to crash and burn. If you don't let go, you're going to get really tired. And they're going to get really sick of dragging you along behind them. Your goal is to train them to be able to go out and do life on their own. Number four, obviously, you know I'm going to talk about this. I'm your pastor, okay? Give them a spiritual foundation. The most important thing we do for God's children is to help them with their commitment to Jesus. It's not enough that we've given them a good education, straightened their teeth, taught them not to burp in public, all those wonderful things. Our job is to provide, to provide them with a spiritual foundation. John said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. I, I know that the number one reason people come back to church is because they have kids. So welcome. We, we welcome you and we want to help you. And that's exactly what you ought to do. And our church programs are incredible. Denise and I made sure they were all the way back in the day when our girls were here. All three of our daughters spent their entire life in this church and it's been awesome. But here's the sobering discovery. What we've discovered is that on average, because of vacations and sick days and, and shared custody and everything else, we're lucky if we get your kids 40 hours a year, Okay. That's probably about it, 40 hours a year. We're lucky if that happens. Here's a fun fact. Did you know if your kids are average, they will spend 400 hours a year studying math, 10 times more studying math than they are at church, and they are never going to use math again (laughs) because someday you will finally give them a smartphone and it will all be over. (laughs) <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? The average kid spends 700 hours a year playing video games and 40 hours at church. All the kids are like, man, I hate this guy. I, I, but did you die? That's what I want to ask, kids, okay? Parents, one way or another, even with school and extracurricular activities and everything else they're involved in, you're going to spend 3,000 hours a year with your children, you're going to have almost 100 times more opportunity to impact the faith of God's children in your house than we ever will. So you have the greatest opportunity to spiritually impact the next generation. Guys, this is like the oxygen masks thing, right? When you're in the plane and they say if the oxygen masks come down and you're a parent, you put yours on first and then you pick whichever child you love the most, right? We've all been on that Southwest flight, right? 
But guys, this is why it's so important for us to be continually growing in our relationship with Jesus. It's important for us to model it. It's important for us to be a spiritual leader in our household. And I just wonder how many parents today, if you don't do it, could simply start by having a prayer at mealtime, okay? Which means you have mealtime together, which is super important. All the psychologists tell us that. And you're engaged in some spiritual conversations. What if you do other spiritual conversations during the day, right? When you're together, on the way to soccer practice. Here's a great one. What if you served together? That was so huge for us along the way. Uh, as our kids got older, we served uh, together in VBS. We even went to, to, to Africa and our family did VBS, did a, a summer jam thing for the orphanage uh, the, or the kids' school in Kenya uh, for the, all the second graders. Just our family did that. <clears throat> and of course, you're not going to be able to do all those things. But guess what? You could get involved in the one here. You could do it really easily. Craig Groeschel said, our greatest priority as Christian parents is to gradually transfer our children's deep dependence away from us until it rests solely on God. And serving is a great way of doing that. Here's some stats from my friend Hayden Shaw, who's done a lot of generational research on this. He said, what they found is that married Christian parents who are active in their faith, especially with fathers, 74% of their kids remain Christians. And that stat, here's what's interesting about that. That stat hasn't changed since like I was a kid. I know you would think it would be different today, but it's not. Now, one-third of them will walk away for a time, but two-thirds of them, in the end, will be do the same way you are when it comes to your faith. And most young people today really do want to have spiritual conversations. Grandparents, how cool is this for us? They found out in the stats that four out of ten young people had relatively the same faith as their grandparents. And again, it's been that way for, for decades, okay? In other words, you know, sometimes there are kids whose their parents have split, uh, their, their parents aren't around, whatever, they're emotionally distant. We, we get all that. Grandchildren can fill the gap. This is a picture of me and Charlie when he was just a, a little tyke sitting on the beach, and it's one of my favorites. Because for me... You know, this was just when my second granddaughter was born, and we were out in California all together, and I'm just sitting there, you know, we're just looking at the seagulls, we're looking out at whatever, but it's a, it's a picture to me to remind me of what my responsibility is now. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, invite Jesus into your home, invite Jesus into every part of your relationship. If you're dating, invite him into your dating relationship. When you get married and you don't have kids, invite him into your marriage. Because here's what I think. I think that some of the praying and the worrying that we do later as parents is because we didn't invite Jesus in to the relationship earlier. Don't leave Jesus here at the building, okay? And pray for them. I love this quote from Max Licato. He says, I'm going to ask God someday, why were you so good to my daughters and me? And God's going to answer by pointing to my wife. He's going to say, because she just kept talking about you and your kids to me all the time. We have a commitment to our young people as a church. I mean, it's one of our core values here. Because Jesus told us, let the children come to me. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. 
So I mentioned this earlier, but maybe uh, one of the things for us is Denise and I, when our kids were in uh, summer jam, in vacation Bible school, we were the ones that were helping. And we were there, and we were a part of it. And then as they got a little bit older and they were out of summer jam, then they were the ones who were helping us, and we did it together. And June 28th through 30th is summer jam. What if you jumped in and you helped out? Parkviewchurch.com, summer jam. Really that simple. Last thing is never stop loving them. I heard a parent hack on the radio, I don't know, a few months ago, and I wrote it down so I'd remember it. Um, A parent who gave his kids a note that said, "If you're, and, and this is something I think, fathers, you all ought to do this today. If you're ever in trouble and you're afraid to tell me about it, bring me this note as a reminder that I'm here for you and I always want to help you. Never stop. They're going to disappoint you. It's going to be difficult sometimes. But C.S. Lewis said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, then you must be sure to give your heart to no one, not even to an animal, especially a cat. (laughs) I I don't think C.S. Lewis said that. That was was just me. But it's true, isn't it? I mean, if we're going to do this, you know, and, and you're, you're, you're doing the diaper in the, in the nursery for the very first time and you're freaking out and you're like, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Listen, the only way to erase any fear is to not have a kid in the first place. If you have one, you're going to love it and someday, it hopefully, is going to be really, really hard to let them go. And then someday, hopefully, it'll all be back. And you'll be in a situation where you can't wait to see them again, and they'll be in that situation. But love is painful. And, and, and one of the reasons, other reasons we have such a commitment to our kids is that Jesus said, if any one of you causes one of these little ones to stumble... And, and when I wrote my book, What Made Jesus Mad, this, was one of the, this is one of the times that Jesus got mad was in this little dialogue. It, to stumble means to stumble in their faith. He said, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, and it's just one of the weirdest things Jesus ever said. He said, it would be better for you to have a big rock tied around your neck and thrown into the sea. Okay? That's how serious we take our children and, and our love for Jesus and the way that we connect them together. Because ultimately, my children are not my children. They're God's children. Ultimately, my grandchildren are not my grandchildren. They're God's children. And that's where everything needs to point us. So, Britt, one of our guys, is going to sing this song. Um, and it's a song about... Uh, L.V. Shane was the artist. It's a song... Um, about a, a guy who married a woman who already had a kid. So it's, he's not my son, but he's my boy. And it's called My Boy. And we're, we're going to do this because I wanted to encourage us as a church with the value of helping our kids, okay? No matter what, we want to help our kids. 
We want to help our kids, even if they're our stepchildren. We want to help our kids if they're foster children. We love that value. If you do safe families, if you're an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, we want you to help our kids. My kid, my middle daughter and her husband are in the process of adopting. Many of you have done that. We want to throw that out there, that this is how important this is. That it doesn't matter whether the kids are biologically yours or not. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. Give it a listen. It's a great song. Got my smile that don't bother me, babe. It's got someone else's eyes seeing myself. I'm holding on to every moment, God knows I missed a few. The day we met, I knew I had some catching up to do. He gave my blood and got my name. But if it did, I'd feel the same I wasn't there for his first steps But I ain't missed a ball game, yeah And that ain't never gonna change I can never walk away Yeah, he's my son and that's my choice He ain't my blood, but he's my He's my boy Hit me like a train First time they called me dead A three-stick figure crayon picture With all of us holding hands As mama said, I understand If it's too soon for this I didn't let her finish I took her to the kitchen Stuck it up on the fridge He gave my blood and got my name But if he did, I'd feel the same I wasn't there for his first steps But I ain't missed a ball game yet That ain't ever gonna change I can never walk away He's my son and that's my choice He ain't my blood, but he's my He's my boy He's Saturday morning cartoons He's taking a sleep in your room plans I had is making me a better man. He ain't my blood and got my name, but if he did, I'd feel the same. I wasn't there for his first steps, but I ain't missed a ball game yet. And that 
never gonna change I can never walk away That keeps my son and that's my choice He ain't my blood, but he's my He's my boy 